Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. We're the podcast for parents with young children, and we know that life with kids is messy, but we're here to celebrate those messes, from spilled milk to emotions spilling out of little volcanoes. And you know what? We really believe in you. You got this, and you're not alone. I just want you to know a little something about your host. Karen Deerwester is an educator, author, and all-in cheerleader for kids being kids. Karen has been a corporate spokesperson as well as a reasonable and reliable voice for kids and parents in print and on TV on NBC, MSNBC, NPR, Parents Magazine, and many more. Best of all, Karen leads the parent-child classes right here at Benator Congregation of Boca Raton, Florida. Get ready for some fun, a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. Today we're talking with early childhood teachers, my favorite people in the world. It's the end of a school year, and we're all feeling very sentimental about a year spent learning, teaching, celebrating, and caring very, very deeply about the children who are part of that extraordinary extended family called a class. I chose this topic because I want parents to know the hearts of teachers. These are magical people who create a new world in their classrooms, a place of joy and wonder, shared living, friendships and trust, deep, deep, deep feelings, growing together and individually through a year filled with thousands of experiences and meaningful moments. Here are Lane Bilu, Jamie Murphy, and Randy Hoffman. Take it away, Lane. How would you describe a year in the life of a teacher? Uh, there's a lot of ups and downs. You start the year, you're just as nervous as the parents, as the children. You don't know what your class dynamic is going to be like. Um, towards the middle of the year, you start to get into a good a good groove and, and things are going smooth. And then you'll have a vacation and things will change completely. And it'll go up and it'll go down. And then you end the year and it's always, it doesn't matter. It does not matter if you loved your class, if you had a challenging class. It's always that last, that, that end of the year is always the most emotional. Watching and seeing, you, you're wrapping up, you're doing end of year gifts. You're looking at how the children have grown. I'm, I'm in the two-year-old, so I, I, there's a tremendous amount of growth that goes on. So you're looking, they were babies when they start, and like you're, you're letting them go, and they're these little people. You're so much a part of their lives for that whole year, the children, the families. And I know your room is magical, so I'm going to come back and ask you more questions about that. Randy, you're a pre-K teacher. Does, go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Does the magic change? No. The difference <laughs> is, as I'm listening to, to Lane speak, she gets to watch them over the next couple of years because they're still here. Our children come in, and I was looking back at the pictures from the fall, and they are little baby round faces and how much they've matured, and we're sending them off into the big scary world, and we may not see them again. So it's a different kind of, of a feeling, and watching their growth in a different way, uh, it, the way they learn the letters and the numbers and and the thought processes, love, just love watching them become thinkers and inquirers and you're just teaching them a different way to look at the world. It's so true. So what, what do you think is the biggest change? I mean, pre-K is a, can be a very stressful year 
in the, not for, in the sense of people wanting high expectations. Are they going to read? Are they going to write? And you watch them become thinkers. What's that transformation? That's the hard part, is that the parents come in, and when we ask them at the beginning of the year, what are your goals, your expectations for your children? And almost all of them say, I want my child to be happy. And then you get the, oh, I want them to be able to read. I want them to know the, the I want them to be doing mathematical problems. And we're thinking, this is pre-K. And yes, it's wonderful if they come out of there knowing how to read, but that's not the be-all and end-all. We want them to feel part of our community. We want them to become thinkers. We want them to learn how to ask questions and how to look for their own answers. Look for their own answers. And they do it, and they do it in such deep and profound ways. And this is lifelong learning. I mean, these are the skills that will stay with them through all of elementary, middle, high school, college life. We just, I was thinking back to the beginning and one of our youngest children in the classroom, we were trying to make a cake into a house. And we said, let's take a piece of paper that's the same shape of the cake. And what can we do with this piece of paper to make it look like the house? And the youngest child in the class looked at it and got that sideways look in, in their eyes and went, oh, well, if we just cut this here and we put that over there, look, that looks like a house. And yes, it does. Now let's do that to the to the real cake. And some of the other children are like, well, I guess that's how you do it. But by the end of the year, they were all thinking that way and, and looking for their own answers. And that and that's also another great example of collaboration. I mean, that's what kids get in a school experience, in a classroom, that you may not get just in a family or in a home. And that is somebody's going to pick up this piece of a puzzle, somebody's going to pick up this piece of a puzzle, and they're all learning from each other's learning. Uh, sorry, Jamie. I, um, I, I have the opportunity to, to see... Uh, my kids are in a private school, and they're... My older kids are now in a private school, and they're a part of a, a larger community, and they've seen what's, what's come out of the other preschools in the area. And... Something unique to the children that come from B'nai Torah is that they are these thinkers. They are these critical thinkers. And that's something that pops out to a lot of the kindergarten teachers. It's a comment that is always made, is that that that's the first thing that they notice. They can think differently. They can think out of the box. Um, They can look at things differently. And the 21st century learner is working collaboratively. They are... They're, they're working together, and they're using their minds together. So I, I think that that's something very unique and very special about the program here and, and what comes out of it. And philosophically, it's what we all stand by. And, and our favorite local and nationally acclaimed educator, Stephanie Englander, is going to say voice and choice. How do we help children find their voice, whether they're in the twos, whether they're in my program, whether they're in pre-K, and then to make choices collaboratively and individually through that. Jamie, what's your magic? Um, You know, we get a lot of, obviously, nervous parents. Um, I would be, too. I was a nervous parent, you know, 16 years ago when my 18-year-old started a two-year-old program and two years ago when my four-year-old. And, you know, many years ago, I have a large variety spectrum of children. And um, basically what I just try and remind the parents is that, you know, we get this small opportunity of time to love your child just as much as you do. And we also get that opportunity to give them a dozen other children to 
love along with them. We teach them to socialize. We teach them to manage their emotions. We teach them these are things that no matter how hard you try at home, no matter how hard I would try at home with my youngest, I couldn't be 12 other children. I couldn't be six other children. I couldn't be three other children. I had I could only be myself and that in and of itself gives them hopefully the hope is to give the parents solace enough to let go just a little bit. And remember, you know, they I we get a lot of parents that say to us, "Well, is it okay?" It's always okay. They belong to you. They yes, do. They yes. only belong to us in a sense for a very short period of time during the day and during that time, we do what we do, and we love what we do. And that's one of the most important things here as a parent and as a teacher is that you can see and you can feel in the hallways. I feel it at home. I feel it here. Is that is is they really do feel like their own community here. Okay. I, I need you to explain something for me and for parents out there. And that is, you said, I can't at home be a class of 12 children of six children. There's a difference, and you also then said um, that you love them as much as parents do. And that's that's that that's crazy because nobody believes that anybody can ever love your child the way you do. But my question for you is: but a teacher is different than a parent because parents are allowed to lose it. Parents are allowed to have like <laughs> emotional insanity times because that's a different kind of emotional relationship. Right. So explain, and but and it's not, and I don't ever want parents to be teachers. I mean, that would be kind of that's not what a child needs in a home. No. So explain the difference between how, what that love is like from it from you. You know, I think about it the way I think about my children. You know, I tell my children, I love you just as much. I'll tell my eldest, I love you just as much as your sister, but I love you differently. And I love you as much as I love your brother, but I love him differently. And it's the same way. I love them just as much as you do. I just love them differently. I'm allowed to love them differently. I didn't give birth to them. I don't have that emotional connection in that sense that you guys have, but I have a different connection with them. And I get the opportunity to love them just as much as you do, just in a slightly different way where I have the opportunity to also have that little bit of leniency where they learn a little differently because there's always that that little bit of apprehension that actually, believe it or not, allows them to open up and become different people. Yes, yes, Because yes. they are different with us than they are with their parents. They come outside of their shell and parents come and peek and they Oh my gosh, that's my child. Yes, yes. We have a level of detachment. There's there's a level of detachment. I I would say that the children here are my children. I I never. I I refer to my students and the students in the school as a whole as my children. So I do have a personal connection, but there's still a level of detachment. I, I don't have to go home with them at night. So I'm with them for four hours a day. I'm able to step away and, you know, be able to think about my day and think about the interactions. And and then I can have an easier time to come in with a different approach the next day. Never, even if they're testing a teacher, which kids will do after you get past September and October, what happens, even if they're testing you, they're never going to push buttons in the same way that your own child I, can push your buttons. You don't feel it the you same way. You don't feel it. You, you, it's funny ahead. that you say that because 
I've been teaching a little longer maybe than you girls have, <laughs> and uh, and I've brought my kids who are in their 30s with me to school at on occasion when it's been take your child to work day or they had to have a day of school, and they go home and they said to my husband, who is that woman in the classroom, <laughs> and how come she doesn't live in this house? And I said, what do you mean? And they said, listen to the way you speak to those children, Mom. And I go, what? I always talk like that. Well, at school you do. <laughs> yes, because it's a whole different thing. And, I, and you have to, we are talking about love. You have to love what you do. And I've taught at several different schools in Boca and up north before we moved here. And this is, I will tell you, hands down, the happiest most pleasant looking, cheerful group of teachers that I have ever Woo-hoo! seen in one place. And, and I've seen people look miserable in other schools. <laughs> for, you know? Hold that thought, because I just want to say for the parents out there, like, believe it. You can find that, and you want to find that because re- regardless of curriculum and philosophy and intentionality, if there isn't joy and it comes right to that Reggio Emilia mm-hmm. sign when you walk in that entrance which says, nothing without joy. Our children deserve nothing less. And I feel like that's what I see here. I look down the hall. I mean, I I look at you ladies. You always look happy, Karen. You're always bubbling over with enthusiasm and excitement. But I see that down in every classroom. And I don't see that and never didn't see it in every other school. People walking around with like, mmm. Fakrimta punam, says my peace would have said, just because they're they maybe they don't like what they do. And I had I had a father say to me one day, it was the end of the day, putting a little boy in the car. He said, "You are way too happy. What are you on?" And I went on anything. I just like what I do. And and I think the other ingredient is that we all support each other in that. There has to be a systemic. Yes way to say joy is part of our mission. I I was a parent first before I was ever a teacher here. And one of the things that that attracted me to be a teacher here was that I always felt like all the teachers liked each other. Listen, we all have our days. We all have our moments. Not everybody has to be best friends at the end of the day. and, And that's not, I think, what we're trying to say. But when I was a parent, the what I saw, the vision that I saw was that this was a team and that it was a team environment and that they, you know, ever, the teachers work together. So when it was approached to me, do I want to teach here? That was a no brainer in the thought process mm-hmm. um, because I think then that trickles down. The children then feel the positiveness positiveness the the positivity that comes from that and again i'm not saying that that it, every day is rainbows and sunshine that's not life that's not reality and it would be good for the kids 100 percent, right 100 percent. so let's talk so let's we've got this i love that you're able to articulate so clearly what it means for a teacher to love her class or her, a child in particular in a specific way and and love her work with passion and joy how does that combine then with the professionalism, with what, you know, that idea, what I always try to say to parents is, you know, you're, you're opening your family just a little bit, like open up those walls and let us be a new personality, a new influence, a new set of, you know, relationships that stretches your child into this bigger world. And it's, but the the thing that I love is parents get burned out. Parents are exhausted. Parents shouldn't have to do this without a village and without relief. And so what I always say is, you know, teachers wake up at 2 a.m. and go, oh, 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 she's going to love that book. Oh, I'm at the dollar store. I have to pick up this. You know, explain how 
you know, we set up we set up boundaries, um, but boundaries I, I feel are are very they're, they're ever changing. Um, we have parents from when we had like if I had a child in the twos, and and Randy, what you said really resonated with me because I don't know how I would feel. I I have taught VPK years ago, and but in this environment, with as much as we love these children and is mm-hmm. and is happy, and like you said, this this place where everyone is so joyful. If oh my gosh, if they were leaving, I I would I would be that <laughs> mess. I would be that puddle because I would I don't I I can't. I like to see that they are moving just simply to the other side of the purple couch. That's that's <laughs> that's as far away as as I'm comfortable with right now. So mm. I, I feel for you in a completely different way right now. Um, but as far as you know, boundaries are set. I we do still have parents who come up to us and say, you know, remember when so and so was this age and we went through this. Can you just tell me that it's going to be okay? Yeah. 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 It's going to be okay. Remember, we did this, this, and this, and is there something different at home? Is there something different at school? Oh, there is. That's right. There's that tool. And then they move on, and but they've, they're learning, and they're taking these tools, these coping skills that we're helping implement into their home, and they're taking, and then they're getting the you know, the reassurances parents and they're becoming more confident in their parenting. You're supporting which parents ulti- as much as the Which children. ultimately is what we want. We want to support them because frankly being a parent is hard. It's not an easy thing. It doesn't come with a manual. It doesn't come with a you know, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems, but they're all relative and they're all just as important. And it's just important that we all support each other no matter what. I personally have a hard time with boundaries in all senses of the word. <laughs> Two-year-old I, teachers I, have trouble I, with I boundaries. I do. I have a problem with boundaries. <laughs> I love my parents, and sometimes I forget that they're not always my friends. And I think that that's something that, as a teacher, is, it, it's a very fine line. You want your parents to be very comfortable with you. At the same time, you are still their children's teacher. Um, I always try to make myself overly available so if a parent does have a question and they do want to contact me, I, here's my cell number, here's my email address. So I give too much freedom and I make myself too available. And that, that definitely has, um, it has backfired on me because I've gotten... keep giving what you, what you initially try to give. A hundred percent. And it's infringed on my personal time. It's infringed with my own children. Um, you okay, know. so tips out there. And what would you say? And I'm going to come... Go ahead. No, look, I, I, like I said, I've been doing this a really, really long time, and there were times in years gone by when I was close to the age of the parents in my classroom. So we had I had a child who was friends with their children also. That was a little harder. I sent my husband to birthday parties often because I thought if they want to talk, they don't want the teacher in the, in the room there. And there were times when I did let them in a little more. Of course, there were no cell phones back in those days, so they couldn't get in touch with you as easily and no computers. So it was only a phone call. But now I've learned 
that you're entitled to your personal time. You are. And I make time. I am here every day at 8 o'clock in the morning. Anybody needs me, I'll come even earlier if I have to. I don't have to rush home because I don't have small children, but I do leave at the end of the day, but I can stay. And I will talk to them if I have to in the evening, but they don't usually just call. Most of them will send you an email or a text message and wait for you to call. And it's not hard. You have to... You have to make that separation, especially because you still have a young family to take care yeah, of. Yeah, and when you brought up the the birthday parties, and I do I do have that small that small portion here because I do have a child who goes here, mm-hmm. and he's been here since he was two, and he's spending an extra year here, and he's made a lot of friends. And because I also teach aftercare, I'm here all day, all night. Mm-hmm. So I'm essentially available all day, all night, and then and you know parents know that, and I I enjoy that because then I can you know, take care of all of the aspects of school, and then I go home. But um, as far as, you know, play dates are concerned and birthday parties, it is, it does, you do cross some sort of a fine line where you have to be very careful um, just simply because you want to maintain that level of professionalism. And, I mean, that's why we're here. We are professionals, and I want to make sure that I exhibit the best of myself at all times and when I'm just with my child or just with my children like you said you have those lose it moments (laughs) you do you really do and the last thing I want is for my children in my classroom or in my aftercare classroom to see me have a losing moment you know I mean first of all they think I live here they think I sleep here so the fact that I'm at the bowling alley blows their mind to begin with and then if all of a sudden I have a parent lose it moment which I do uh, you know everyone does everyone does does. it's usually me on the cell phone in the corner talking to one of my teenagers and not my four-year-old but either way you know it's 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 a fine line you have to be very careful this may sound mean and and cold-hearted and I'm anything but that But I don't go to parties and things that, and I've been invited to birthday parties and and school part, and I just make a nice. Oh, well, thank you so much for including me. And it's not because I don't want to be there. Right. Not that my heart it's doesn't say personal. it's right. not personal. I just feel that I need to keep that step away. You know, like oh, we should get to. Why parents say oh, we should get together? I, my husband would love you. We should go to dinner. I'm like that's so sweet of you. Thank you, but. I'm going to say right at this point, no thank you. Well, because for me, like in some ways, you want to be special to everybody. Mm. And you can't always, no, you I can't. mean, you couldn't have deep that kind of deep personal relationship with every one of your parents because you still have to have a life and your friends. No. I feel like we're personally involved in their lives anyway. I mean, we know exactly. so much about them. Exactly. If they haven't told oh. us, their children do. Okay, that's that's such <laughs> a fun you. topic. Let's, let's just put <laughs> out there because parents <laughs> may or may not know oh my. what children say. I mean, and again, and it's and and, it's, and it goes two ways. It's like parents. Mommy be- gave me purple medicine today. Mommy gave me. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's yeah. my favorite. I got medicine. It tasted like bubble gum. Yeah. <laughs> How are you feeling? How's your ear? Yeah. yeah. So it's and it's this idea like when kid, kid, there's so kids are going to come home and say things about your teachers, and they may be deeply, deeply honest and true, or they might be pretend make believe things that came out of nowhere. I mean, I've had t- children let's say at two and a half and three, tell me about their their pets and the name and the look of the dog and, and, and all And they of, don't have a pet. And they don't have a, a pet at yeah. all. Four-year-olds do that. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> let's talk about truth-telling, fiction, separating, and then the idea of, I mean, I remember parents, a, a child telling me about mommy and daddy 
you know, skinny dipping in the pool after they go to bed and they look at and, and it was like, oh, thank you so much for telling me. <laughs> I, I actually recently, um, one of the years past, I've had a child, I got an email that said, um, you know, so-and-so said that, that, um, that he cried today and that Miss Jamie is mean. And anyone who knows me, I not mean, I, I'm not, not I'm just, true. I'm just not. So I, I called the parent immediately. I, I am. I'm like the worst. I'm like the opposite. I need, but I, I called the parent and I said, you know, I did actually have a stern voice with him and mm-hmm. I didn't have a smile on my face for a minute because what he was doing wasn't safe. Mm-hmm. And I explained mm-hmm. that to him, but not in the usual sense. So in a sense to him, I'm sure I looked mean right. because right. I wasn't right. my usual self, but I needed him to know that it was a safety concern. It wasn't, you know, anything else I can, yeah. I can mull over. I can redirect. I can, I can turn into a, that's fine. But safety, you know, this was, this was important. So I said, I'm sure he thought I was mean. I said, and Honestly, I'm not upset that he did because he won't ever do that again and he'll be safer for it. And it's this idea that we want parents to give teachers the benefit of the doubt and teachers always are trying to give parents that same benefit of, of the doubt. But it's the, it's often the beginning of, of some well, and important communication. I immediately called that parent back because I absolutely did not want any sort of miscommunication because the child wasn't wrong. Right. Not at all. Not even a little bit because compared to my normal demeanor, I was quote unquote mean, yeah, right. but not mean in any sense. of I just was Stern. Not inappropriate or unprofessional. No, or, not at all. Or not, even, or not even there for the child in exactly the way you the child is. Right. You were using your safety voice. My safety <laughs> voice, yeah. 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 So, so the idea of um, things that get said both ways. Any, any other? Uh, so I have a parent that took a video of her daughter at home. And so this is the opposite direction. So we weren't necessarily hearing it at, in school, but she was being us at home. So she sent me a video. Her daughter was pointing with her finger, (laughs) and I point with my finger. And then she was talking with her hands. And if everybody could see, I'm sitting here talking with my hands right now. Um, And it was hysterical to watch this video. The parents said, we couldn't figure out where she got this from. But we were in the classroom, and we saw you doing it today. And she sent me a video of her daughter Mm -hmm. being me. Beautiful. I, I would say, you know, copying is the biggest form of flattery. I mean, it was hysterical. It was so sweet. It was so cute. I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be saying that so much. <laughs> well, you see, and you'll see it in, 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 in housekeeping centers all over the country. All of a sudden, you see children taking on roles, being their parents, being other parents, being... Absolutely. I mean, that, that's, I mean there's so much. It's not just imitation. It's a deep kind of social-emotional learning and experimentation. So. Absolutely. Randy, in pre-K classrooms? They do the same thing. I, I have a bad habit, I guess, of turning the papers on the like that. So I'll have That parents. was a finger lick. <laughs> a finger lick, yeah. I do that to turn the pages, and the kids will come, you know, parents will come in and say, oh, that's where that comes from. That's hysterical. You do that. And, and I watch, I have grandchildren, too, and my granddaughter came home from school, her preschool. She doesn't live around here, and she's like, you worry about your own self. <laughs> where did you? hear that well miss so-and-so says that it's a goal it's really cute to see the kids with their phones and their purses and their babies Mm. being held in their arms and you know that that's their moms yeah you Mm -hmm. see them and they these and it's not just the little girls it is the little boys too they all have their cell phone i mean it it's a representation of our society 
positive or negative, but they all have their cell phones. Either they're holding them straight to their ear or they're looking at or them. Or they're texting, yeah. And, and they've got their baby in their arm and they've got their purse hanging off of their arm. And, and it, it's it's adorable, but it is a, a huge representation. It's part of this magic of, of this of this how schools and homes blend and intermix because it's, you know, in each child you see a glimpse of their whole world and in each child going home you see a glimpse of this school world. And and we want parents to feel safe and trusting and trusted and and that that this really is okay rather than as this thing that's like uh oh am I being judged uh oh do I have do I should my fear factor come up here I think as a parent we're so worried about what's going on at school and that our kids aren't giving us information mm-hmm. like what did you do today nothing nothing <laughs> and I think we have to take a step back and watch what our children are doing to see and know what they're doing at school. And, it, and it's, you know, like, it's hard to think about it like that. But, but you know, I, I have three children, and two of them gave me no information. One child finally gave me information. But I never knew what was going on, and I always felt like, oh, I, was, I had no clue. I, I wasn't catching it. But I feel like if I had taken a step back and watched them a little closely and listened to them when they were playing with their toys and and... Instead of asking them so much, which is, you know, definitely a a personal trait. I I do a lot of the talking. Instead of doing so much of the talking, if I had taken some more time to listen and watch, I would have seen more of what was going on. In my mind, children, from babies through especially teenagers, um, if you take that pause, they are transparent. I mean, at some point... They will do or say that thing that you just need to reveal what it is you're you're trying to understand. A lot of people say to me, you have an 18-year-old and a 4-year-old and a 13-year-old. Like, oh my gosh. And I say to myself, you know, I, I feel very lucky because I have the best of both worlds. You know, I get to you know, still have the toddler. I, I am almost like having like a grandmotherly experience because I get to raise this child in a whole nother way. And I have like the support system of the older brother and sister that come and And now that I do sit back and I just watch as opposed to how was your day? What did you do? You know, my kids would say nothing. And I'd say, you just sat in a chair and looked at a wall, you know, and they'd be, no. And then they, you know, now, you know, my 13 year old daughter comes in every night and just purges her entire day. And I'm thinking, Sometimes, you know, there's some stuff I don't need to know, you know, but they just purge. And then the older one comes in, purges his entire day, you know, and then I just get to watch the younger one. And, and eventually he'll learn to purge. But, you know, it's it's nice because I've, I've been able to not redo, but yeah. do things a little bit differently. And not that I would change any of it, but it's like I've, I've gotten to do it twice. Yeah, yeah. Twice with three kids, but you know, do it differently. And it, it's really, it's really been amazing. And each, it's like with the school, each year is a different year. You get to learn from the past year. I'm jealous. I'm a little bit jealous because years ago when I was really, really young, I thought, oh, I'll have a kid or two now. <clears throat> and then let's wait until we're <clears throat> like 40, 45 and right at the cusp of the edge where you're not going to do any and have one more. And that'll be really cool because it'll keep us young. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't happen. They're all real close together. And there are three of them. Yeah. So, now I do this. 
and I get the fill yep. that I was myth that I thought I'd be missing, and it just keeps you feeling good. It makes me smile every day. My husband goes, you, you don't make a whole lot of money, but you are really happy. <laughs> and you said to me before we started on the mic, mm-hmm. it, it keeps you young. Mm-hmm. You know, being around children keeps that joy, that innocence, that purity. That it, it does, and and still yet physically, I get to say goodbye at three o'clock, which is good for for me and and go home and rest up and come back again the next yeah day. there are some days when i'm sitting at six and jonah is still talking and talking and talking and talking and andy's waving at me going i i'll have an extra glass of wine for you good night she's waving goodbye and i'm going come on and i'm thinking oh boy oh boy but those are you know those are those are those mommy moments but but i wouldn't change it for the world and that's the best part of here is that that joy that he still feels. He wants to be the first child here and the last child to go home. And the joy that he feels is because this 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 school, this I don't even I don't even like to use the term school, this this environment, this home-like environment, this learning facility is so warm. I, I have to agree with you, Randy. So I, my kids are still on the younger side. Um, they're all in elementary school. I have three. I had three very close together. I loved being a mom of babies. I I loved that time in my life. Mm -hmm. And I love being a two-year-old teacher because of it. I love that they still need that hugs, the the hugs. I love that... that Diapers. uh, Diapers don't bother me. That's the biggest thing. Everyone's like, oh... You're a two-year-old teacher. You change diapers. They have a lot of fluids. What's going on there? <laughs> it does not bother me. And and I get my fill. I can come mm-hmm. in here, and I think that that's very important in a two-year-old teacher is that they enjoy being with two-year-olds. They're like, oh, Miss Lane, are you going to the threes this year? Are you going to pre-K? I have no desire to go anywhere else. I mm-hmm. love being with and, – and, and they're not babies, but – I love being with the babies. I love being with the smaller kids. Every teacher should be, I mean, every age brings something <coughs> unique and, and extraordinary. So are there any misconceptions out there about being preschool teachers, yes. um, toddler teachers, yes. pre-K you know teachers? It, it, the people look at you like, oh, that's so nice. Like they pat, want to pat, pat you on the head for doing that. And like, no, look, this is a profession. It's not. Oh, you're not a real teacher. You're Exactly. When are you going to get a real job and like, People Excuse ask me? me that. When Jonah graduates, are you going to work at a real school? Um, I work well, at a real school. I want to tell you something. I've taught up to kindergarten, and it always was in a, a, um, a small school setting. It was in a synagogue up north. And I had somebody who's listening will probably say, oh, she's already told me the story, but that's okay. I had a little boy in kindergarten many, 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 many years ago, and I bumped into him when he was 12 in a music store with his mom. And she goes, oh, my gosh, it's Mrs. Hockman. I can't believe it. Stephen, Stephen, tell her what we were just talking about the other night. And he blushed a little, and he said, I, I told my mom that I haven't learned anything new in science or social studies since you taught me kindergarten. Oh. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. And then now, forward again, some years, and a friend of mine sends me an email down here. Guess what? Your your little Stephen is graduating high school. He's the valedictorian of the <laughs> class. So I was like, do you know his mom's email address? And she goes, yeah, we're friends. So I put an email in the subject line. I put Stephen's kindergarten teacher. And, of course, I had to wish them Mazel Tov and whatnot. And he was going to an Ivy League school. And it just felt really good to know. You think that you're not making – you're making a huge – 
difference in kids' lives. They don't say they don't remember you. You're giving them a foundation at two that they're carrying to the threes that they bring to us in the fours and that we send them off to. Yeah, it's funny you say that I wrote down two-year-olds don't remember us from the very beginning of our conversation. It is not uncommon for a child to be in pre-K and go, you were my two-year-old teacher, I don't remember you. Even though we're still in this environment, their memories are are contained to what is in the now, and I I really do understand that. Um, But it's definitely hard as a two-year-old teacher. Um, I think a misconception is that, oh, you're in, in the twos, you're not really a teacher. You're just... You know, you're you're just babysitting them. Or, but I really believe that we are giving them a foundation. We're teaching them to love school. We're teaching them to—we're giving the, them those first steps into the environment. And in, so this, expe- in this environment, in this school, in this community, we are professionals. And professional development and knowing research and information and the science and the art of everything that we are doing is so monumental. And I promise you, the, the teachers who aren't feeling like professionals and don't wake up with that... Um, with that respect for themselves and and what this what this process is, they're going to be burned out and gone. But if you're going to do this for your life, which I I wish everybody could stay as long as they would like to, unfortunately because of you know pay scale and other things, it's it's not always something that people can do for their whole life. But I've made the decision to do it for my life because it just if you can if you can if you can treat yourself as a as a professional and and help others see that professional side of this of, of this field I mean there's there's no end whenever to the we joy. speak about you know like oh where did you go to school you know I said oh I you know I have I have my bachelor's in education and I have endorsements in special needs and you know I minored in English and history and you know I'm still doing continuing education well well what what do you do for a living and I, said, I teach two-year-olds so you went to college and you have all these endorsements and degrees to wipe butts for a living and I said, I said, I, I, I don't even know how to respond exactly. to that question. Exactly. And that's usually where the conversation ends because I don't, I don't know how to respond to that because that is, I, that is a very, very minute portion of what I do for the day. And actually, potty training is huge. It's a huge accomplishment. It's a huge portion of their <laughs> lives. Pre-K and the threes love us even more. I mean, I potty train over the summer. You know, when a child is ready, great, super, but like that is not even a little bit of why I do what I do. I am do. here to tell this whole world, please, the professionalism, the experience, the wisdom, the knowledge, the insight, the the way teachers take big knowledge and, and information and research and then understand each individual child and lay these grid upon grid of understanding and templates to understand and then the emotional connections I'm sorry I mean if all I, I wish all t- educators everywhere could be trained as early childhood educators but we have to do our wrap-up so um, my final wrap-up is always the same question um, and that is how have you got this you are extraordinary 
early childhood educators. You are women that I bow down before every day, and I am so proud to know you and to celebrate your work. Um, how have you got this, being an early childhood teacher in this time and place? Jamie, I'm switching the order. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? I feel, I feel very lucky every day just to be able to actually do what I love for a living. Um, I, I am so blessed to be able to, number one, just get up and get out of bed in the morning. I think that's what, you know, a lot of people take for granted is, you know, you get up and you put one foot in front of the other and you have the ability to work and work hard and just to be able to come into a classroom, come into a school and feel so loved. You know, and that's the thing, too, is that I love each one of my children and my children here, as I call them. You know, my children at home, I love them all. But to also feel that reciprocated love, you can't put a price tag on that. You can't. I mean, there is there is no, you know, and it has nothing to do with money. We're, we're rich now. Someday we'll have money. I mean, that's just, that's it. Thank you. Brandy. I, I agree with you. It is good to feel loved. Um, I'm lucky that I have a very supportive home life. I don't have to worry about paying the mortgage because I certainly couldn't do it to do this, but I love what I do. And I'm lucky that I found this because my original degree was in secondary education and I was like, oh, I don't really like these big kids. And I kind of fell into preschool with when my youngest daughter was in preschool with the directors like, hey, can you help us out? And I ended up in a two-year-old class for half a year. And I said, that's pretty good. I think I'll teach kindergarten next year. And and I liked it. And after a couple of years, my husband said, why don't you go back to school and get certified in that if that's what you want to do? And so I, he was willing to send me back to grad school and let me do this and and to come down here. I tried third grade once, did not like it. All right, I hated it. And found that my heart is with small children. And it just makes me feel good every day to come here and share with the kids and the other teachers. I, this is this is the best place to be. Thank you. Um, have you got this? I, I wonder this every day. Every day <laughs> it changes. I've got this because I have to agree with my coworkers. I have a great support system that does allow me to, uh, I work three days a week, I come in refreshed, I, I have a moment to take a step away, and, and I don't have to, I, I think, you know, I don't have to, and that is a big deal for me. I do this because I really love being with children. I love being in this environment. When my kids graduated preschool here, I just wasn't ready to, to walk away. And I thought about having another child just to stay here. Obviously, that doesn't happen or didn't happen. Because um, it does happen. It, it does. <laughs> it does no, happen. I, I've got this because I've got this because I love being here. I love being with children. I learn with every new class. I learn that what worked last year isn't working this year. What works next year might not work the year after. Um, what worked last week yeah. is not working this week. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I just love that. I love that I'm always on my toes. I love that I constantly have to challenge myself. Um, I think that that's really important. I have been off for a week, and I'm a little bored. <laughs> All I can say is they are fearless, they are creative, they are courageous, and they have huge hearts. 
and, um, and they really, really understand children. Thank you so very much for being a part of today. Thank you for having us. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow, listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey, loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules, you write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today, please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Deerwester. And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to the front and the follow for the song listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.